Hello again, friends, to another round of Deep Dives with Father Sean, the Super Catholic Catechesis Podcast. This is inspired by the Catechism's reminder that times of renewal in the Church are also intense moments of catechesis. So, that's what we got going on here today. How's your catechesis of yourself going these days? You know, what does it look like for you? Uh, Are you going to classes? Are you listening to things? You're listening to this one thing, at least. Uh, Are you reading a good book? I love, 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 love a good book. You bet. I went on a retreat. Oh, when was it now? Uh, Just over a week ago now. And uh, man, just spiritual reading is so, so, so dang good. I generally always have a a little spiritual book on the side. and, uh, And it's so good. So good. So good. And just during a retreat, I had a lot more opportunity just to dive into that. Read the Gospel of Mark. Read about Maximilian Kolbe. Read about uh, Mother Teresa. I picked up a book by Bishop Fulton Sheen on the priesthood. Super dang good. Super dang good. And um, yeah, just so inspiring as well. So that, you know, a lot of times we can get thinking about catechesis as just being stuff in the brain. You know, it's just the intellectual formation. But it's not true. It's not true. There really needs to be a practical, spiritual, moral dimension of this because it's as the catechism defines it, it is about the, the, the growth into the, the life of Jesus Christ, or the life of Jesus Christ growing within us. And this is what catechesis is about. So it's kind of like your continual growth as a Christian in any way after, after that initial proclamation and the initial coming to faith. So anyways, how is your catechesis going? Are you forming yourself? Are you being formed? Are you putting yourself into a circumstance where the love of Christ within you can continue to grow and his wisdom grows within you and his patience grows within you and his kindness and mercy and love grows within you? Please, God, that's the case. All right, my friends. So we're going to dive on in here again for this this round of the i guess we're talking about the eucharist these days this is now the the third segment of this uh the third stage stage in this series you know the first part it was like looking at what are what's what do we got to chew on you know what's what's our our data old testament new testament church fathers boom okay so we talked about that the second part was looking at Jesus's presence in the Eucharist, specifically highlighting transubstantiation and his actual real pres- substantial presence in the Eucharist, which is super cool and amazing and miraculous. Thanks be to God. And last time was my first episode on this third uh, part of this series, this third uh, season, if you will. Uh, where we're looking at the sacrifice of Jesus. What does it mean to have sacrifice? So that's what we began with last week. We just talked about what sacrifice is, what sacrifice is. So just a, a little recap here. We'll go through a little recap, and uh, and then we'll we'll dive into the material. So this is good, good, good stuff. Let us begin with a little prayer first. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and we praise you and we lift you up in our hearts and we thank you for your your dying love. Your usually we think of undying love, Lord, but yours caused the death and it died for us. It died out of that love, and it just shows that your love is greater than life, is greater than death. It is eternal. So we ask that this this love that won for us reconciliation with you may be poured into our hearts 
in a new way today, in, a, in an incredibly new way today, that the Holy Spirit may take root within us, this spirit of reconciliation, that we may truly recognize God as our Father, for He is through baptism, and we may recognize ourselves as His sons and daughters. Come, Holy Spirit, open our minds and hearts and our ears at this time so that we may grow in love of your sacrifice for us and grow into that love of the sacrifice for us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Very good. So we got a little natural law that we started with, you know, just talking about justice. You know, justice, you don't have to be a Christian to recognize justice. Um, you, you know, if you go to you know, an Islamic country, they're going to say, all right, you stole something, you get your hand cut off. I don't know what they actually say. But, um, you know, they're going to have some kind of expectation. You do something wrong here, and you're going to have to pay the price because there's due punishment. That's justice. Um, dads across the world will care for their children. Uh, that's what we call justice. You know, kids across the world will do their chores. That's, again, another dimension of justice. People will pay their taxes. That is justice. And the highest form of justice is oriented towards the highest being. And this highest being is clearly God. And so the highest form of justice is giving our due what is owed to God. And therefore, this, this system, this, 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 uh, this inward disposition to render to God what is due to him is what we call uh, at the natural level, religion. It's also the supernatural level, too, because we understand Christianity being the fullness of that, to give God what is due to him in a way that we couldn't do it on our own. And, and Christianity is the true religion. It's the true religion. There might be seeds of truth in the other religions, but they don't have the fullness. And Jesus comes to fulfill all sacrifices and to lift up all, all things to the one true God. So, this is the natural law, that we, in justice, owe things to God. And one of these things that we owe, in addition to gratitude and praise and, and thanksgiving or whatever it is, is sacrifice. We owe him sacrifice to give him gifts, if you will, to, to not expect them back, but to render to him a gift in such a profound way that it is absolutely out of our hands and the reality of that sacrifice because of our human nature it needs to be social because we are social beings uh, you're not going to live very well as a christian if you live it by if you live your faith by yourself and then also it's the physical dimension oh uh, you know you're not going to live your life as a christian if you only leave it quote unquote spiritually and not in your body because you have a body this is who you are so it needs to be social, it needs to be physical. I didn't mention it last time because I kind of took it for granted, but I will say it. It needs to be intellectual. It needs to be intellectual. I'm not saying it's got to be like, um, you know, it's got to be from the, the that famous tome of Thomas Aquinas, the Summa Theologia. No, 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 no. I'm just talking about it's got to pass through a reasoned mind. You know, we have to do it with intention, with intentionality. So we owe to God sacrifice and this sacrifice because we're human beings must be social physical and and intentional and the most true way of doing this the greatest sacrifice and i walked through scripture last time is to do this with a humble contrite heart given to god he will not spurn that now we came across a problem and this problem is going to be described 
at three parts. The first is we've offended him. He is the eternal, the majestic, the infinite. We are not. <laughs> We're not. And us little ones have, have offended him. So that's that's point number one. Point number two is he is great. Well, I guess I just said this. We've offended him is point one. Number two is we're finite. He is infinite. And therefore, between us and him, there is an infinite distance. If he bridges it, that's one thing. But if we break the bridge, we can't fix it. We can't fix it. Thirdly, and it comes from this desire, of we need to have this bridge. We need to have something going on here. Well, nothing we can do can bring us back to him or be lifted up to his ears. We can't. We can't throw our petitions across that infinite gap. We can't throw our, our praise or worship across this infinite gap. No, because he is almighty. It's kind of like, um, you know, there's really just nothing that you can do to win him back to, to us. Um, so that's kind of what we got going on there. Now we need a solution. We need a solution. There must be something more than finite that can be offered on behalf of humanity. There's got to be something more eternal. There's got to be something, you know, it has to be from us to, to just because we're the ones who are the offending party and we have to do this other thing to appease who we have offended, to, to give him an act of love or, or glorify him more than we have taken away his glory or taken away our love from him. So we have this, this need and the solution is real. The solution is Jesus Christ. Okay, you know that's that's the punchline. If if you need, if you don't want to listen to anything else, you've got the big chunk of today that Jesus Christ is the solution to our 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 lead, our our gap. You know, we can't communicate with God. We don't have friendship with God until Jesus Christ establishes that friendship. He is. We're going to get to this in a minute here, but we're going to talk about why He can uniquely do this. So this is the first point that I want to mention here in this this talk here, that Jesus is actually, what his sacrifice is, is the greatest possible gift to God. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the greatest possible sacrifice that the world could ever imagine. It's beyond the world's imagination. And so his sacrifice was so much more pleasing to God than all of our sins were offending God. And therefore, you know, on the scales of justice there, uh, Jesus, God is, is pleased. Jesus' love and glorifying of the Father um, is is much more powerful than even our, our sins are. And we can think they're really bad, and they might be really bad indeed. But they, they're outweighed by Jesus' singular gift. Uh, here's a quote from Thomas Aquinas, and then I'm going to kind of break this down a little bit here. Um, because it's kind of a lot, but it's not so, so much. And it's talking about the what sacrifice really does and how Jesus' sacrifice really fulfills that. The proper effect of a sacrifice, Thomas says, is to appease God. Just as a man likewise overlooks an offense committed against him on account of some pleasing act of devotion shown him, and in like fashion Christ's voluntary suffering was such a good act that because of its being found in human nature, God was appeased in for every offense of the human race with regard to those who are made one with the crucified Christ. 
end quote. So this is kind of how Jesus saves humanity. This is how Jesus saves humanity. You'll note that it's not talking about punishment. There's some language about punishment in scripture there, and so we don't want to throw it all the way out, but in and of itself, it doesn't fit the bill. It's not about, you know, God taking delight in the destruction of something or us being deprived of something or other. You know, there might be hints of that in scripture, but by itself, it fails, it lacks. God's not out for blood. It's not that blood is appeasing to God. Um, you know, there's kind of the verse that I had alluded to earlier. It's, well, I think it's a different verse, but from the Psalms, it says, you know, the goats of, or the blood of goats, the blood of bulls, you know, are you really thirsty for that God? No, no, he's not. And so there is something more, something more he's looking for. And therefore, that which he finds is, is in Jesus. And it's his obedient love. It's his obedient love. His obedient love is much more pleasing to God than our disobedient indifference displeases him. That's to say, Jesus' act of true devotion to the Father is, is greater than all of our acts of sin, all put together. And Jesus' devotion wins. <laughs> it wins. And therefore, the infinite value of Jesus' sacrifice comes from him. So we're going to talk about kind of these, there's six different ways that, that this is real. First off, that, that the reason it, why it is such a, a, a profound and infinite obedient act of love or a loving act of obedience that is so much more outpowering our, our sinfulness, which is real, not going to lie, and sometimes it's really bad. And that's, you know, I, I can't describe how bad human sin can be. You and I have sinned, and we've sinned in ways that have caused us and others tears. And, and Jesus looks out on this and, and suffers that. He suffers that. But he doesn't, you know, the more that God is offended, the more he just reaches out in mercy to us. This is crazy. So this is, these are six reasons why Jesus' sacrifice has infinite value over our, our sins. Even though they'd be terrible, our sins are finite, though, too. So it's because of Jesus' infinite love. This infinite love is for God and for men. And it's done with an absolute infinite freedom. So this is the first thing. His sacrifice is, has infinite value because of the infinite love by which it was done. Secondly, it's because Jesus was the victim. It's the greatest possible gift. It's the gift of the eternal Son of God, uh, the infinite Son of God, if you will. And therefore, the gift itself given to God is, is infinite. <laughs> so that's number two. The gift was worthy, had, had an infinite worth. Thirdly, it was the the total absolute nature of the Holocaust of the victim. We think of the, the sufferings that Jesus went through. He suffered it all. His, the absolute, uh, the absolute extremities that Jesus went to in order to, to offer this sacrifice were were of infinite merit. Uh, he abs was absolutely, absolutely immolated on his cross. 
That's the third reason why it has infinite value. The fourth is because the priest has an infinite dignity. The priest is none other than Jesus Christ. He's also the victim. But the priesthood of Jesus has infinite dignity. Fifthly, there is this unity between priest and victim, which is profound and unique and mysterious, but it's, it's all together. And that unity uh, contributes something also to the, the uh, I guess it speaks of the selflessness of the priest, that the priest doesn't hold anything back for himself, but he, but he just gives everything that has been given to him, even his own flesh. And then sixthly, uh, the unity of the mediator with God. So he is with God. He knew he is God. So he knows and is part of that divine plan of salvation and of love. And so he's able to love with a divine love. He's able to mediate with, with, the, with the wisdom that comes from God to know what is needed there. And so he is uniquely doing this on behalf of God to reach out with mercy. So you might say that's, that it's merciful. The, there's infinite mercy for love of, of us, who he became the brothers and sisters with. So this is all kind of wrapping up in this first point, that the greatest, that Jesus' solution on Calvary, his greatest possible sacrifice, is the greatest gift of love to the Father, which outweighs all our offenses or all our sins. Uh, this is what we really need to know, that his sacrifice had an infinite merit, infinite value above all the sins of the world, all the offenses of the world. Okay, so that is about Jesus' sacrifice. The second biggest point that I want to give is, is how it relates with the Mass, how it relates with the Mass. So let's, let's think about this. Covenants are formed. Well, I guess let's even start beyond that. Uh, we'll start with our experience. You know, we all talk about, I want to have a close relationship with Jesus. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, of course, of course. You know, there's all this talk about relationship, and it's real. There is a real relationship between us and him. Uh, I remember getting into a um, kind of a conversation with someone, and and they were really advocating a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not against that. I think it's real. I think it's important to even recognize it as such and to use that language to describe it. But it's not our fundamental relationship with Jesus, because the fundamental relationship with Jesus had an actual historical form to it that is still carried on today, and that is what we call a covenant. Uh, our most fundamental relationship with Jesus is that covenantal relationship, in which we find that personal relationship. But it comes through first this covenantal relationship. How are covenants established? Through blood. <laughs> oh, geez. And then as we see in every other covenant through history, they are, they are brought, they are, uh, there were sacrifices to renew it and to bring about a reminder of it. And if the new covenant in Jesus's blood is to be a true covenant, then there, it's fitting that there be some sacrifice that is continued there to reenact, to remember, to make present, this covenant, this relationship. Now, there's a little bit of a, a dilemma there, isn't there? How the heck does that work? How the heck does that work? You know, how if Jesus's sacrifice was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, all sacrifices found their 
fulfillment in him. And after Jesus, you know, there's no real sacrifice. No, there wasn't, nor was there before. There was, there is and was not ever a sacrifice that could really reach out to the Father except through him. So why in the world could it be fitting that we do have a continuation of sacrifice in the new covenant? That's kind of weird. There should be a continuation of sacrifice, but there can't be because there was only one sacrifice that fulfilled it. Huh. Well, here's what we got. The new covenant community, church, should have a sacrifice and that continues. And that sacrifice is the same sacrifice of Jesus. You know, this is a answer that is uniquely, that shows the unique divine wisdom in this. You know, man can't just make this up. The new covenant community, the church, should have a sacrifice. And this sacrifice is the sacrifice of Jesus. Absolutely. Our sacrifice is the sacrifice of Jesus. When we come together at the Mass, we are coming together for a sacrifice. Let there be no doubt about it. And it is the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not a second sacrifice. It's not a different sacrifice. It's the same sacrifice. We have a role to play in this. Uh, you remember, his body was was, was sacrificed, right? Um, the core of his sacrifice was the inner dimension of a contrite, humbled heart, of a of the obedient act of love to the Father, or the loving act of obedience to the Father. But it was, his, it was immolated in his body. His whole body was immolated as his, his interior sacrifice was being given. And if we are members of his body, then we will be co-offerers with Christ. We, if we offer ourselves, we offer Jesus Christ because we are members of his body. And if we are doing the offering, we are one in his priesthood. So you have a role as a victim, and you have a role as his priest. And at the Mass, this is coming together to form the whole Christ. This is why Jesus, or St. Paul, talks about that he is making up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. It is not that the sufferings of Christ 2,000 years ago were not perfect. No, they were absolutely complete through the very end. But it needed to be completed throughout history through our flesh, in our flesh. So we come to, when we come together for the Mass, it is us giving of ourselves to the Father. In Jesus. In Jesus. Okay? So I could go on and on about that, and I'll go on about that a little bit more. But if his body is offered, then the members of his body is offered. If Jesus offers the entirety of his body, so is his knee going to be offered, so is his pinky going to be offered, so is his nose going to be offered, so is you. So are you going to be offered because you're a member of his body, just like the nose is a member of his body. And he wanted to leave us this sacrifice. He, you know, the night before we betrayed, you know, he's thinking, you know, this was his plan. He wasn't thinking. I'm taking it a little bit too simplistically in this sense. But he deeply desired to celebrate this pas this this Passover with his apostles. He wanted to leave them a gift, and the gift that he would give them was to be the perfect sacrifice. He gave his perfect sacrifice as an eternal memorial of this. He gave perpetually that actual presence of the slain victim and the priesthood of divine dignity. And he, this was a gift that was to be endured forever. He would preside at this sacrifice through the institution of the priesthood. 
That is to say, like me, you know, I'm a priest. And how does he do this? Well, not in a bloody way, but in a sacramental way, since his blood can't be separated, uh, since it's now in glory. You know, his body and blood were sacra separated, and that symbolized, that wasn't symbolized, it was the cause of his death, but then it was united again in his resurrection, and it will always be resurrected there. So that kind of makes it a little bit tricky to describe. So again, the sacrifice of Jesus is our sacrifice on the cross. No, excuse me, I didn't say that right. The sacrifice of Jesus is our sacrifice at the Mass. It's not different. Our offering is the offering of Jesus. We, our sacrifice is the sacrifice of Jesus. The gift of the Mass, the sacrifice of the Mass, is the greatest gift of love. It's the greatest sacrifice of love of Jesus. How do we describe this? I'm just going to run through some quick ways to describe this here. You know, the... The first part is we have to recognize transubstantiation, that Jesus' presence is actually there. This really, really an important thing because without this, there's not a sacrifice because in a sacrifice, there has to be a victim and there has to be a priest, okay? <laughs> so Jesus makes this possible. He makes this possible. And we also should note it's not a different sacrifice than that of Calvary. Okay, it's not a different sacrifice than that of Calvary. It's the same sacrifice. It's the same priest. It's the same victim that are right there on our altar. It is the the image of Calvary. It's not repeated, but it is sacramentally represented or imaged. And represented is not talking about as a theatrical representation. And when we talk about it as a memorial, it's not a mere commemoration. It's certainly a commemoration or memorial, but it's not a mere memorial. It's a, it's a use. It, it's, a it's a commemoration that makes present. So when we have that word a representation, we really think of it as a representation. It's making present again. It's making present again. Um, there was one guy during a. Uh, the 1500s during the time of the Reformation, if you, if you want to use that language, with Luther, etc. Cajetan is his name. And he says that Christ is both signified and contained in this sacrifice. Christ is both signified and contained in the sacrifice. And the quote continues. His death, however, is signified but not contained. Therefore, it does not occur that Christ dies every time the sacrifice is offered, although he is contained and offered in it. So we're not talking about a bloody sacrifice. We're talking about a sacramental sacrifice. There is the physical elements that are signified. And the signification is powerful. And it makes present what it signifies. Uh, it's a lot of language, a lot of theolo theological language. But just think, it is made present. The sacrifice of Jesus is made present. And the benefits of his sacrifice are made present. <laughs> I think that's a good way to simplify all this stuff. You know, he's not dying on our, 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 our altars again. No, it's an unbloody sacrifice. This is why we call it a sacramental sacrifice. So kind of the two big takeaways is that Jesus's obedient act of love on the cross was greater than all the other acts of disobedient indifference or sin of the world. It just kind of the scales of justice Lean in the way of Jesus for mercy. And then the second part is that the sacrifice of the Mass is the sacrifice of Jesus made present 
again. The sacrifice is made present and his benefits are made present again by which we can benefit. Thank you for tuning in again, and I look forward to talking to you next time. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Toodaloo, my friends.